anyway, glad to see you. We're so happy that you're here this morning. And, and, I, uh, and if you're a guest with us, I'm sure we just virtually every Sunday we have guests here. Take a moment and fill out that connection card that's right in front of you. Uh, and for everybody, if you've got a prayer request, put it on the back. Uh, we mail these out to our uh, elders, usually on Monday or Tuesday morning, and we're praying all week for you. We really do pray. I contacted somebody this week that, uh, actually, she filled out a card over at LifeGate. And um, I give her a call, and I said, how's things going? We prayed for you several times this week about your need. And she said to me, she said, you know, I've been to many churches, and I put, uh, put these needs on, on prayer request cards and everything. You're the very first church that's ever called me and asked me how things are going. So this is an important thing. I think people are counting on it, and we want to continue to do a good job of praying for people. I want to read from the Word of God this morning, and would you stand with me? I'm going to read from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. In chapter 4, not the whole chapter, but a part of it. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. And it says, My children, listen to me. Listen to your father's instruction. Pay attention and grow wise. For I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my teaching. For I, too, was once my father's son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. My father told me, take my words to heart. Follow my instructions and you will live. Learn to be wise and develop good judgment. Don't forget to turn away from my words. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. And whatever else you do, get good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head and will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me as I do and do what I say. And you will have a long, good life. I will teach you wisdom's way and lead you in straight paths. If you live a life guided by wisdom, you won't limp or stumble as you run. Carry out my instructions. Don't forsake them, guard them, because they will lead you to a fulfilled life. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we're, thank you, we're thankful today that we can turn into your word and there we find wisdom. We find counsel, we find encouragement, we find direction. Father, we find ways in which we can make good judgment. And so, Father, today I pray as we open your word a little bit later in this service, I pray that you'll use that moment to take these words that penetrate into our lives and into our heart in particular. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this wonderful crowd here at uh, Faith Community Church. And I pray that, Lord, that the blessing of God is going to flow like a river through this place and that it will be filled with encouragement and strength. Father, I pray that you will bless the people of God that have assembled here today. Father, we thank you for loving us and caring so much for us. And Father, I pray that you will bless in just unusual ways in this service. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning 
to Luke chapter uh, 8. Luke chapter 8. This is the, called the parable of the sower. I think uh, in some portions of the Bible, I think it's probably more correctly expressed as the parable of the soils. This isn't so much about the sower, it's all about the soils. It's not too much about the seed, it's all about the soils. I'm going to read a ways and then speak and, uh, and talk about this. Beginning in verse number 4, the Bible says, when, <clears throat> And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and was trampled down, and the birds of the air plucked it up, took it away. This is talking about the hardened soil of the pathways of that day. You know, they didn't necessarily have sidewalks, and they did have roads and certain roads, but uh, a lot of these pathways were basically created by people who were going somewhere, and a lot of these pathways would go along the edge of the field that a farmer had planted. So in other words, they were well-packed, well-traveled kind of pathways. As a matter of fact, in reading and studying about this, some of these pathways even cut across fields. You know, we've always said something about a cow path and how cows, though, they'll follow some kind of a crooked little pathway to the barn. It's never straight, goes east, then goes west two miles and north, or like they expect us to do here on the... You can tell that's under my skin just a little. <laughs> but, uh, and these pathways would become very hardened pathways, and the sower would be out here sowing these seeds. They did it by hand. They didn't have these huge cedars or anything, planters like what we see today. They were sown by hand, and some of those seeds fell on hard pathways where people would walk, and granted, there was dirt there and everything, but it was so hard-packed. And you've got to remember that this is in a, this is in a very arid kind of a climate, it's very dry, it's also very hot and everything, and so these would be hard-packed. And that seed would lay on the ground. The Bible says the birds would come along and pick it up. Sometimes that seed would be trampled into the ground, but it wouldn't grow, it wouldn't have an opportunity to grow. Jesus went on in verse 6, he says, Some fell on rock, on, on rocky soil, and because it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Rocky soil which does have a layer of, uh, it does have a layer of dirt on it. It will germinate the seed. It will cause it to grow and everything. But because of a lack of moisture, because of a lack of an opportunity to develop a good root system, it dies. It just fails. It's gone. The Bible goes on and talks about some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And here's the soil that's overgrown with weeds and thorns. The seed germinates, the seed begins to grow, but the, but the weeds and everything crowded out. And whatever moisture, that precious moisture that was there, is soaked up by the, by the weeds. That's why we get, we get rid of weeds in cornfields and bean fields around here. 
because they, they sap moisture, they take away nutrients and all of this, which doesn't allow the good crop to grow properly and things like that. And then Jesus said this, but others fell on good ground and it sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. And when he said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is fruitful soil. It's been well tilled. It's been taken care of. It's going to produce a bountiful crop. We need to understand this parable is not about the seed that was sown, but the soil that's around us. And I want to stop right here and point out some things about soils. You can be good seed, but if you're planted in bad soil, and that soil would be something like bad attitudes, it could be, it could be bad lifestyle, it could be participating in worldly activities, it could be the uh, ignoring of opportunity that's around for spiritual growth, it is highly unlikely that you're going to bear good fruit. There's the connection that we have in the, in the spiritual realm. The soil is going to affect how you grow. There is also something else related to this, <clears throat> and that's to, that has to do where you're planted. You can't take a corn seed, a seed of corn, and plant it in a teacup and expect that corn to grow. It will sprout. It may get about that tall, but that's it. It's done. And I say this because I believe God is going to speak to people today, and this comes to the heart of my message here. I believe God is saying, I'm going to transplant some people today from a soil condition that you're in. Whether it be rocky soil, whether it be soil that's overgrown with weeds and things like this, I'm going to transplant you and put you into good soil, soil that is tilled, soil as a place where you can grow. I believe God wants to do that. And it's important for us to let him do that in our lives. It's important for us to position ourselves so that in, in such a way that, can God, that God can allow us to grow. We position ourselves. God doesn't take you by the shoulders and say, here, I want you to come over here, stand here, and you will grow. God gives us that option. God places these options in front of us for growth and development and, and, and maturing in our Christian life. Let's take advantage of them. Let's find the good soil where we can grow, where we can develop spiritually and develop fruit that's a hundredfold. I believe God has a plan for every person in this room. <clears throat> I know you've heard that probably a hundred times before, but I believe it with all of my heart. I believe God has a plan for your life. Now, don't run up to me after church and say, Pastor, what's the plan for me? Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's for you to find out. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying that in such a way that we're trying to be cute about it or something like that. I believe I'm saying it in such a way that says, if I will present myself to God, if I will listen to God, if I will be obedient to God, God is going to speak into my heart. He's going to speak into my life the direction that I need to be taking, what I need to be doing, how that's going to operate in my life. I fully believe that. 
And I believe that it's backed up by Scripture. I believe the Word of God says it. I believe this with all of my heart. And I hope you do too. I believe God has a plan. That might, you might find yourself at some time, that may be, I should say, let me back up. And that means that a difficult place that you may find yourself in right now. My guess is there are people sitting here today, you might be finding yourself in kind of a tough situation, some difficulty that's surrounding your life and all of these things here. But I want you to understand, I believe God is using those times to prepare you, to lead you, to firm up his presence in your life, to help you to become confident in what God can do in your life. He's preparing you, using all of these things to move you into another place where you'll be useful and where God will use you in a greater way. Joseph, Joseph signals this. God had a plan for his life and he set it up in a very unusual way. Joseph went to Egypt. Egypt has always represented the world and Pharaoh has always represented a, a symbol of unrighteousness. <clears throat> and yet God called Joseph to be a leader in this kind of an environment. And so it was when righteous seed came, this would be the family of Jacob. And you got to know a little new te- Old Testament here. God had somebody, folks, God already had somebody on the inside ready to take care of God's people. You see how that worked? When you look at Genesis chapter 37 and you see all the stuff that Joseph went through, you kind of sit to yourself and say, what is going on in this guy's life? Why is God allowing this? Why doesn't God step in? Why doesn't God maneuver things in a different way? Well, God had a plan, didn't he? And we have to understand, one of the most difficult things that I, that I have struggled with, maybe you do too, is that, Lord, speed it up. I'm a smart guy. I just, just kind of, let's go to the end. What's the end? What's your end game, God? And you know, God has never answered that prayer for me. I keep praying it. He doesn't answer it. I keep praying it, and he still won't answer it. But I'm convinced of this. We go through these processes in our life, which brings us to the end game, and then we say, oh, so that's what that was all about. You got me here for this. And that's how it was in Joseph. And some of you are walking in those pathways and in those things too. I want to talk about hard and soil. You know, the disciples didn't really understand this parable very well. So Jesus took the 12 people, his 12 disciples aside. He said, listen, I'm going to kind of fill you in on this thing. You're not catching it. You're not getting it. So he starts out down here in verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. I want to talk about this for a minute. The hardened heart, the hardened soil, represents those hearts that are not open to the gospel. They're just not open. I mean, you can present it, you can do it effectively, 
You can, you can do anything under the sun to show them the love of God and how God loves them through Christ and Jesus died for them and all of those things, and they just don't get it. They don't want it. Not interested. And they don't respond. The scribes and the Pharisees seem to fall into this category. They just weren't interested. They were interested in their thing, not the thing that God wanted to show them. And so the gospel makes no impression at all on them. This is soil that has become hardened over the years, and people are constantly walking on it. It's never broken up. It's never softened by conviction, never softened by repentance, never softened by any soul-searching or anything like that. And the, and as the longer this goes on, the more calloused the heart becomes. Folks, this is a dangerous thing. This is a serious, dangerous thing to have a heart that is growing more and more calloused over time. The seed does not stay on this calloused pathway because Satan comes and grabs it. He snatches it away through pride or doubt or, or stubbornness, many times through procrastination, or maybe, this, or maybe the thing that I've heard before, I just don't care, Pastor. I just don't care. And when I hear that, I'm listening to somebody whose heart has become difficult. I don't necessarily want to try to pretend that I know the level of this, but it's dangerous. I don't care. Hardened soil represents this hardened heart, and I never want to have one. Hardened hearts come in a lot of different shapes and forms, but it's a place where the word doesn't penetrate. And the problem, see, it's not the seed. It's the soil. There are people who might come out to church occasionally, perhaps every few months or so, and we sow the seed. It just bounces off the hardened heart. It's a dry heart. It just bounces off. It takes no heart. Then Jesus said in verse 13, but the ones on the rock, he's talking about rocky soil now, are those who, when they hear and receive the word of, with joy, and these have no root. They believe for a while, and in times of temptation, they fall away. Rocky soil. Rocky soil people believe, they're glad to receive, they're excited even, and, and some of them understand very little. Joan and I were in that position. We came to Christ, we didn't understand a thing. We were the dumbest clucks in the, in the pen. Didn't know a thing. I'm just so grateful for a pastor that helped us now, don't ask who was dumber. <laughs> I saw some gesture out of the corner of my eye here. And, but I tell you what, I'm thankful for a good church, and I'm thankful for people that surrounded us in love. I'm thankful for people that didn't come up to me and correct me in all of my problems and all of my worldliness. I am thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that corrected me. And I mean that, folks. Don't anybody in here think you're so self-righteous that you can walk up to somebody and say, hey, wait, you can't be a Christian and do that. 
If somebody would have done that to me, I'd have walked out. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit is so much stronger than my voice, your voice, or any other voice. I had people that came alongside and said, you know, God is at work in your life, and I can see this, but perhaps God might have a greater way to work if this was happening in your life. I really appreciated that, because I didn't know any better. The Spirit of the Lord does such a wonderful job of cleaning us up and straightening us out and applying hope and rightly dividing the word of truth in our lives. And it's so good. You know, there's a parable of a wedding feast in Matthew chapter 22. It's for a king's son. Jesus talked about this. They sent out the wedding invitations and there were a lot of things happening and, and, and so they just they really opened up the wedding to the community. And so we need to understand that when you went to a wedding, you went with a certain type of a, uh, type of a garment on. This was appropriate in those days. You didn't just show up and, in your regular everyday clothes. You had a certain garment that you were expected to wear. And so that was a person. And all of these people came in. They were all dressed appropriately for this wedding, except one guy who crashed the party and without the proper garments on. And the king came out, and he said, how did that guy get in here? And the man did not answer. And the king said, I want my servants to throw this person out. Now listen to verse 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I'm saying that today to cause us to be awakened to the fact that we approach God not just in our any old casual way we'll do, but we approach God in such a way that we desire his favor. We desire his work in our life. We desire what God wants to do in our lives. And we, we come prepared for that. We want God to work in our life and things like that. John chapter 6 tells us, you know, the parable of the soils is one of these parables that's t- and the feeding of 5,000. The feeding of 5,000 is told in all four Gospels. And, in, and it's told in John chapter 6, but with a number of details that are left out in the rest of them. Everybody got some food. Everybody was excited about being around Jesus. Jesus was teaching all kinds of things and Things like that was going on. It became kind of nightfall. And Jesus got in a little boat, and they take off for the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they left this crowd behind. They were all well-fed and everything. They go to the other side. Guess what? The crowd followed them around the lake. And here they are. It's breakfast time. Jesus gets to the other side, and here's the crowd again. I assume they were there looking for, a, looking for breakfast. You know, we'll have the Egg McMuffin, please, this time. We'll have this and we'll have that. Whatever you're serving today, Lord. And an interesting thing happened in this whole thing. Very interesting thing happened. Jesus went and began to teach about discipleship. Now, remember, these are young believers. And he begins to teach them. He said, this is what a disciple is. This is how this discipleship works. This is what God is expecting of you. And he's telling them all of this. He's teaching them all of this. And as he does, 
these people begin to drift away. In fact, they all drifted away, except the 12 of Jesus' disciples. And Jesus said in John chapter 6, he said, are you going to leave too? And Peter speaks up. He says, Master, where would we go? You have the words of everlasting life. Out of that big, big crowd that was fed miraculously, only 12 remain. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's are people who hear the gospel, they may make a short spurt of growth, but people that hang on to their old lifestyles. They don't want to be, that lifestyle to be interrupted. The world is important to you, and you desire the things that it offers. I need to remind you what James said and what John said. James said, if you're a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. John said it also, if you love the world, then the love of God isn't in you. Those are strong words. Those are powerful words. They have a punch to them. And they, and they sometimes they hit us right, right in our life, where we may be living. And God is, I honestly believe God is saying, let me help you to move from that into a life that I will give you and where you can live. The fourth soil is the good soil. It represents the hearts that are prepared to receive and respond in obedience. They are diligent about giving themselves to God. They are producing good fruit. This is the person who accepts the word, holds on to the word. There's genuine repentance. Their heart is easily worked by the work of the Holy Spirit. All of these things are happening and the noxious weeds of the former life, they're pulling them out. They realize they're not going to be a help anymore. They're going to be, so they pull them out and they cast them, as, they cast them aside. And, and the selfishness is being replaced by fruitfulness. And God is at work in their life. I want you to notice something else about this parable of Jesus. There's absolutely no discussion about the sower. And there's no discussion about the seed. It's all about the soil. It's not the skill of the, soil, uh, uh, the sower. It's not the skill of uh, the goodness of the seed. You see, folks, we're all sowers of the seed. We'll sow seed when we walk out of this building. We begin that sowing process in our life, how we live, the things that we speak of, how we live our lives in our homes and everywhere else. I look at it this way. I don't know where the good soil is, but I know it's there. And I, I keep sowing seed. I keep sowing seed. I never give up. I don't want to give up. Some of that seed may fall on hard ground. I wish it wouldn't, but it did. Some might fall on the rocky soil or the weed-choked soil. But some's going to fall on the good soil. And some of it falls on that soil in this service today. There's good soil here, all over the place here this morning. Soil that fills the sanctuary, good soil. And I'm praying that, asking God, God, begin that germination process of the seed as it begins to put a root down, as it begins to begin to build a leaf and it begins to uh, develop a stem. 
begin that process and then help us to help us to know how to allow it to grow and how, how to apply the proper nutrients and the water and all of these things that's required of growth. That's what I'm asking God. I do not plow the soil. That's the job and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's his job. To break up the hard-packed soil or to plow through the rocky places or to cut down and dig deeply in those weedy fields. I ask God to plow through hearts this morning. Here today so you can receive the transforming message of the gospel. Janet, if you could come back, please. You know, as I was wrapping this message up this week, and I was looking over all of this, my mind went back to a song that I heard. I've only heard this song maybe a couple times. And, and those times had to be 30, 40 years ago. But I remember the song well. We, and I tried to find the music for it. And I couldn't find the music. It's probably there. I just didn't know how to get it. little chorus that goes, it's not a chorus, it's a song. Simply called, It's Different Now. I want to read you the second verse. It says, I went to church one day to hear them sing and pray. The preacher firmly plowed the gospel plow. He said, you must repent. So down the aisle I went. It's different. Oh, so different now. We've sown the seed this morning. The Holy Spirit is the one whose hands are upon the plow. To plow through the soils of our lives, however that is. And oh, it's different. Oh, so different now. I can only recall my own life. I can't recall anybody else's. But I know when I came to Christ, it was so different. Just dramatically different. I, like I said, I knew nothing. But I knew enough to know it's different. And I knew enough that I wanted to learn more. And I wanted to grow in my little infant faith. I'm so glad those people spoke to us. I'm so glad that Holy Spirit plow dug into my life deep because I was entrenched in the world. And it cut those roots and it rolled over good soil. And I could, I could receive from God. That's where I'm praying. There are people here today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today simply for the word of God. This is a parable that was difficult for some people to understand, and so Jesus repeated it again to his, his own disciples. So we say it today. We've spoken it today. Father, I pray for somebody today that perhaps is, uh, first of all, perhaps they love you, but they've allowed some weeds to really begin to gather in their in their life. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit may be speaking into their hearts today and say, let's plow those weeds out. They don't get any more. They don't get any more of the good rain, the nutrients of my life. I'm getting them out of there. Some may be going through rocky soil and difficult times, stressful times. And all we can do this morning is simply hold on to Jesus. Well, then hold on to Jesus. He'll take you through the storm. He'll plant you where you can grow good fruit. Father, I pray for people today <clears throat> that have been sown in good soil and it has served them so well over many, many years. They're bearing good fruit. I thank you for them. I thank you for their lives. I thank you that when we look at them, we're reminded of the, the blessing of God that we see demonstrated through their life. Thank you for them. Father, I'm concerned about somebody today that perhaps is represented best of all by that hardened soil. Soil that needs to be broken up. Soil that in some way that gospel needs to penetrate into that heart and mind and life. Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, allow that plow to dig in to that hard rock soil and allow the gospel. Father, I pray for those who need Jesus this morning. Maybe some of them are guests today, maybe some that are people that come here all the time, but yet there's something in their heart that just says, I need Jesus. I need the Lord in my life. Maybe in a greater way, maybe for the first time. So pray with me, would you, Jesus, come right into my life today. Come into my heart. Today, it's me. It's me saying, I need Christ in my life. I want his forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sin. I want to put it behind me. I want to step away from it. I don't want to do anything anymore, have anything to do with that anymore. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I believe in my heart in my heart that he died for me and he rose from the dead. And by believing in my heart, I believe you set me free and I'm saved. Now, Father, I pray, help each person to desire to become a disciple, a real follower, not just for a moment, but let this moment be a moment that will last the rest of our life. Father, I thank you so much for loving us. I praise you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.